going to dive right in tonight to Ephesians chapter 5. This is just kind of the, the passage is going to be at the very end, okay? So I'm giving you like, because I didn't want to read 28 verses at the beginning and have half the place leave. So we're going to read two at the beginning and then you won't leave, but don't worry, there's 26 to come. Is that okay? Does that sound good? All right. So tonight the message is called, I'm calling it proper motivation, Okay. Um, I love Ephesians chapter 4. It's probably one of my favorite passages. It's, it's second to Romans chapter 6 for me, but Ephesians chapter 4 is really, really good. And so we're going to look at some of this passage here, but we're going to start off with verse, verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians chapter 5. Are you confused yet? Doris looks confused. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're starting with 5. We're going to end. You'll catch on. You'll get it. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath, hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. So, that is to be our motivation. But there's some other things that he's going to mention in Ephesians 4, okay, that then this should be the motivation for you to make those changes. You following along? Okay. So the first point tonight... Thank you, Doris. The first point tonight is this, proper understanding, okay? A proper understanding. For us to understand what Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 talk about, we need to back up, okay? Whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you need to look back, okay? Because that means there's something that he's basing this statement from before, okay? So he's looking at this, and then he goes, therefore, this should be your reaction, Okay, so let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. So, uh, proper understanding. First of all, let's understand some context. Okay, context is king in Scripture, especially if you're trying to understand what God has for you. You need to understand what was written around those verses. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. Here's what he says. Okay, these verses should be semi-familiar to you. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus... That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So he makes this statement, and then he's going to list a whole bunch of different stuff that you are to put off. Okay? So God expects your conduct, conduct to match what has already happened in your heart. Okay? This is what he's saying here. I want your conduct, how you live your life, to match what has already happened inside. And by the way, this is cool, isn't it? If I walk around and it sounds like I'm tap dancing, I'm not, okay? It's just really loud, okay? So God expects your conduct to match what has happened in your heart. This is not an immediate change. How many of you realize that, right? It's not like you got saved and all of a sudden everything was hunky-dory and your life was perfect, okay? That's not how it works. It's not an immediate change, but it must be... Okay, it must be a continuous process. Okay, so this putting off the old man and putting on the new man is a continual process throughout your life. What I love about scripture is that as you read scripture, it really has a wonderful way of humbling you. Right? You think you're doing really well and then you read a verse and you're like, oh snap, I'm not doing that. And then you get in trouble, right? And then you're like, well, I got to make a change. I got to do something different. Scripture does a wonderful way of doing that. It kind of brings you back to, man, you're not doing as good as you think you are. Has that ever happened to you when somebody's preaching and you're like, 
man, I thought I came in here. I thought I was doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, you're hitting me over the head with a two by four. There's no two by fours up here, so I don't have to do it to you. Um, all of a sudden, you get hit over the head with something, and you're like, man, but I thought I was doing pretty good. This is because it's a continuous process. You may have been saved for a long time, longer than I've been alive. Okay, I'm going to be 38 in a couple weeks. How many of you have been saved longer than that? Just raise your hand. Okay? How many of you realize that, just raise your hand, that this is a continuous process in your life, that you have to continue to battle? Okay, I'm glad. Okay? That makes me happy because I see it in my life. Okay? So Paul goes on here and he mentions several things that you are to put away. Now, we're going to fly through some of these and we're going to focus in on a few because... For us to understand what's happening in Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, we need to kind of get what he's kind of driving home towards the end of this chapter. So in Ephesians 4, 25, okay, are you there in Ephesians 4? How many of you, are you there? Okay, I want you to turn in your Bible to look at these verses. If you don't have one, they're in front of you. Good job, Doris. Ephesians 4, verse number 25. She's wearing bright pink. I mean, I got to pick on her. In Ephesians 4, 25 says this. Wherefore, putting away lying... Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So what does he say? He says, okay, put away lying, and then what are you to put on? The truth, right? Speak truth. You struggle with lying. Guess what you should do? Speak the truth, okay? This isn't difficult, okay? This is not like, you know, algebra 2 or calculus or something hard, okay? Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. The next one he mentions in the very next verse. So he's just making these lists is what? Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So he says, if you struggle with anger, keep a short account. Right? You struggle with anger. When does anger really start to kind of grow out of control? When you let it simmer. Right? It's kind of like a slow burn thing. Okay, we're going to talk about anger later, so I'm not going to talk about it a lot. That's later on. So be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Keep a short account. So verse number 28. Let him that stole, steal no more. Okay, if you struggle with stealing, stop doing it, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So you struggle with stealing, what are you to do? Work, get a job, and then do what? Give to others. Okay, put off stealing, put on hard work, and giving. Okay, it's... He's, he's, he mentions something that's bad, and then he gives you the opposite, okay? This is all setting you up for later on, okay? So just FYI. So verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You struggle with your speech and tearing people down, what are you to do? Edify. That means build up. My brother John always said this to me, and it is not good, okay? Just FYI, he's a heathen. He's a pastor, so he's a heathen. He always said this. He always said, edify, stupid. It's just his way of saying it. So it's not edifying, okay, to say that you're stupid. So build up, okay? I have told the teams before, if you're not edifying, you are tearing down, okay? You need to go around tonight before you leave, and you need to find somebody that you can build up in the faith, okay? You struggle with corrupt communication, Build up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So he continues with this list. Okay, and this is where we're going to spend a lot of our time tonight. Okay, I told the guys in the sound room, don't worry, I got a lot of verses, but we're going to fly through some of them, and then we're going to park on others. So we flew through those, now we're going to park. Okay, 
So he continues with this list. And I want you to get this because in Ephesians 4, there's probably a verse. I want you to kind of look around in Ephesians 4 real quick. Look at Ephesians 4, and I want you to find a verse that you know. Okay? Maybe, maybe you know all of them. Okay? But find a verse that you probably memorized when, back when you were in Awana many years ago. Um, I'll give you a few seconds, and I'll give you a massive hint. The last one, Ephesians 4.32. Okay, we know that verse, but let's look at the verse before it. Because once again, Paul is doing something that we've got to understand. He mentions things that we are to put away, and then he says, put on. Remember, this is the process that we are trying to live in our life on a daily basis. That there are things I need to be putting away, and there are things I need to be putting on. Okay? So let's look here. Put away. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's a pretty bad list, isn't it? So let's start breaking this down a little bit, because there's some words that you probably haven't used this week. How many of you, how many of you use clamor this week? Anybody? No? No? Okay, I thought I saw a hand for a second there. It wasn't. Okay, some of these words we haven't used. So let's just look at some of these words and get some definitions, okay? So bitterness. This is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. Okay, interesting fact. The Greek, which your Bible was originally written in, this word here speaks of actual poison, which is an interesting thing. So it, poison, you ingest it, it may be a little bit, or it, uh, or it gets injected into you, right? And it's just a little bit, but what happens? It spreads, and then massive destruction happens. There's a verse that actually talks about this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 15. Why should we put away bitterness, Dan? Because look at this verse. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. When we have bitterness towards someone, remember, it's anger and disappointment at being, at being treated unfairly. It is like a root. It's like a poison that will take over your life. How many of you have ever struggled with bitterness? towards somebody. I think it's something we all struggle with. It's something that, if we're not careful, it can begin to kind of be like a cancer in us and just start eating away at parts of our life. It can cause you to go from a great relationship with somebody to a terrible one pretty quick because you thought you were being treated unfairly. And most of the time, that being treated unfairly was not actually what they intended to do. We just got bitter about it because we thought that that was their intention. Bitterness. He says, hey, this should be put away from you. Bitterness. Here's another one you probably haven't used this week. Wrath. This is a strong feeling or a ha of, of hatred or resentment with a desire for revenge. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, okay? But I think some of us, we may not think that we're really wrathful people. Is that a word, wrathful? I don't know it. Sure, it's a, it's a word tonight. We may not be super, like, wrathy people, but <laughs> I don't know how to put that. <laughs> is that can I use that as an adverb? Sure. Um, or an adjective or whatever it is. I don't teach English. Um, we may not be this kind of people, like, on the outside, but on the inside... We can get awful revengeful, can't we? That's a word. I know that's a word. We can, awful become, we can become very full of revenge in our life. 
well, that person did such and such to me or whatever to me. This is cool. I'm just going to walk all over the place and just kind of stand way over here in the corner because you can see me now. <laughs> we may not act like we are people that have wrath. Oh, man, that was close. <laughs> but, but we have it. All of us are capable of wanting that spirit of revenge towards other people. Well, they treated me unfairly. Just wait. Wait till they get what's coming to them. Well, oh, they said that about me. Wait till they hear what I say about them. We can become awful raffy. I don't, it's a cool word. Okay, I'm just going to keep using it. We can have a lot of wrath in our life. Now, the one that you're probably familiar with in this list is anger. This is passionate and active response of the entire person to a real or perceived wrong. Sometimes we become angry because, man, we really were mistreated. But I think that last part, the perceived wrong, is really where a lot of it is. Well, Pastor listed all these different people that were involved in whatever ministry, and he didn't mention me. Oh, and you got this terrible attitude, and you avoid pastor for four weeks, and then you come to find out he's a human being and he just forgot. And we have this spirit of anger, and we have this spirit of resentment towards pastor because he didn't mention your name. Does that really matter? Should that really matter? No. Because we don't do what we do in this church because we get you know, a claim, or we get credit, or because somebody comes up to us and they go, oh, Eric, you're so awesome. Ooh, I just broke something. Oh, you're so awesome. You're so great. No, that's not why we do what we do. If you're looking to be involved in a ministry this year, which I think you should be, don't look for the applause. I think so often we lose out on future rewards because the one thing we are looking for is this. And we got a terrible attitude and we continue to teach Sunday school or we teach a small group or we teach breakout sessions or whatever it is. Then we got one breakout session actually in here so you're our breakout session guy. So we, we, we say, well, they didn't mention my name. By the way, Ken Loro is teaching the marriage one. He didn't get mentioned, Charles. So just FYI, don't get angry. Okay, but... But he's right there, okay? So that's the guy teaching the marriage one. But guys, we, we struggle with this, if we're honest. And I think most of the time, it is just perception. I would say this, too. I believe the Christian life really comes down to one thing. Perception. Whether I'm going to have God's perception on this situation or the world's. And some of you, I know you're going through hard things, and, and I get it, and we had this prayer list, and it was huge, and it was a lot of stuff, and I know there's more that could have been mentioned tonight, but you may be going through something, have God's perspective on that situation. Yeah. Have God's perspective. You want to know God's perspective? Look in his word. Right. So often we get angry at him because we perceive that we were wronged, but in fact, God was doing what is actually best. And that's hard for us to take. But that's the truth. The next word here is a word that I mentioned earlier, that a word that you probably don't use very often, clamor. It's a loud, persistent outcry. Often from a large crowd. Clamor. 
Again, one of those things we probably don't like list on our top things that we do all the time. But the thing is, we do. And we get, we get angry, and we get loud, and we start yelling, and we start going, but come on! I do that in the car sometimes. I'm like, dude, the light's been green for half a second. Can you please move? I do that, right? I'm working on a car. Oh, man, I get so frustrated with the car. I get, I get clamorous, okay, with a car. And sometimes it's just frustrating. You're trying to break that bolt loop loose, and the only thing that breaks loose is your finger. <laughs> you know, like, and it slips off, and bam, ah! You're like, what? A loud outcry. Clamor. The next one, evil speaking. Hmm. Well, Dan, I don't, I'm not that bad. I don't speak that evil. I mean, come on. Have you heard some of the language that is said by others? Wait a second. Titus chapter 3, verse number 2. Look at this verse. To speak evil of no man. Uh-oh. That includes who may be in the White House who you don't like. Okay, we laugh. But I have seen some Christians in their attitude towards our current president. And trust me, I don't agree with everything he does. I don't agree with most of the stuff he does. But wait, speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Uh oh. Uh, Dan, I don't, I don't speak that. I'm not that bad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Pause for a second. We struggle with some of this stuff and we don't claim it. And we go, well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not that bad. Wait a minute. Speak evil of no man, including the person who treats you terribly and who says bad things about you or your faith. Wait a minute. You are not to speak evil of anyone. You are to show meekness and gentleness to all men. I don't know about you, but that hits off, that is awful close to home. One of the things that I hate in our culture more than anything else is the topic of abortion. And I lose my mind over the fact that they're killing babies. Wait a minute. We've got to realize that the answer is Jesus Christ. It's, it's not about the politics. It's not about any of that. The answer is Jesus Christ, and he will always be the answer. And I am to understand that, yes, I need to stand for what is right. But I need to also show gentleness and meekness to all. Here's another one. Malice. So he's kind of like building, right? So bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. This is extreme enmity of heart, a disposition to hurt others without cause. It could be mere personal or from a spirit of revenge. Hmm. He's like the, they like the topic of revenge, don't they? It's like we as human beings struggle with being vengeful. That is a word. I, I've got, I'm getting this. I'm figuring out the word thing. Malice. Colossians 3.8 is another verse, and it's kind of, you know, he mentions a lot of the same things. So Colossians, in three, Colossians 3, verse number 8 says, But now ye also put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Do you see the similarity? 
So it's not just like in this passage he says these things. It's found in other places as well that this should not be a part of your life. So that's a negative. How many of you like to talk about negative things? I really don't. Okay, so let's talk about something more positive. So those are the things that you and I are to put off. Now let's look at Ephesians 4.32, a verse that you know. And how many of you have had this verse memorized for a long time? Just raise your hand. I think Ephesians 4.32 is one of those that you should. Okay? It's a great verse. I have quoted it to my kids many times. Okay? Hey, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Okay, is that kind? No. Okay. And then they, right? So here, let's look at it. Ephesians 4.32. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Do you realize that this verse is the antithesis of the verse we just looked at? It is exactly the opposite. So bitterness, anger, clamor, all of those other things were the opposite of what he wants you to do. Be kind. That has the idea of being gracious. Gracious. Grace is unmerited favor. They may have treated you terribly. You are to be kind. That's what God expects. Let's look at another verse. Again, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verse number 12. says this, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. It means it should be pouring out of you from the inside. That's what God expects for you and I to put on. Just like if you put on a coat today, that's what he's expecting. You take off and you put on. You take it off. I would do it, but I'm not that nimble anymore, and it would probably take me five minutes to get my suit coat back on. But you take it off and you put it back on. So he says, hey, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. You and I are to be people that are kind. Can we just think for a second? If we are kind towards others, or gracious towards others, that will stick out like a sore thumb in this world. Why does God say put off all of those things in verse number 31 and then put on this? Because if you and I want to make a difference, we have to be different. That is the reality. I cannot go around and have an, have an angry spirit, a vengeful spirit, a spirit that is always looking to be wronged and then looking to respond. That should not be a part of us. Because there's something bigger at stake. Remember, we're looking at proper motives our motives for why God wants us to do these things. And the motive we can see even in this verse in Ephesians 4.32 is none other than our Savior. Was he gracious to you? This is an easy one. Say it out loud. Yes. Okay, yes. He was extremely gracious to you. Look at the next, the next part here. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, compassionate, sympathetic. Was he that way towards you? Yes. yes. 
100%. That's who he is. Jesus, over and over again in his ministry here on earth, was a person who had compassion on others. He looked and he saw someone who had a need and he would stop and he would pause for a moment to heal them, to intervene, to share the truth. Why? Because he knew that it was bigger than getting from point A to point B. And I think what happens to us in this world is we are so concerned about getting to point B that I don't care who I run over in the process. We have to be people that are tender-hearted. If, you, if we take our, our heads out of this, our phone, for five minutes, you will see people who are hurting. And what we'll find as we are compassionate and we are tender-hearted and we are kind it's a great opportunity to share the gospel. Yes. If you're a jerk, you might as well not give them that track. They're not going to read it. If you're kind, if you're tenderhearted, if you're on the next part, forgiving one another, you will make a difference. So forgiving. This is freely, giving to, freely given to all. It's not like you say, okay, Danica, you called me bald the other day. I'm just kidding, she didn't. She's really nice. You called me bald the other day, and I'll forgive you if you promise to never, ever call me bald again. Can you do that? She said yes, because she's nice. Okay? No, forgiveness is not that. Forgiveness is freely offered. Whether or not they reciprocate it, whether or not they change, forgiveness is to be freely offered. Hmm. But you don't know what they did. You're right, I don't. It is to be freely given. Look at, verse, look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Again, these are kind of parallel passages. So look at what he says here. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. See what he's saying here? You, you have a fight. You have an issue with somebody else. You're butting heads with somebody. You forgive them. He doesn't give you an out. So often what we do in Scripture is we read a verse like this and we kind of read in our own little context, don't we? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If they're nice, if, we, if any man have a quarrel against any, well, as long as it's not a major one, we read in our own context, but that is not at all what God expects. Look at what he says at that last, that last part of the verse. Yours is up here. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Did he kind of like partially withhold forgiveness? No. God could have made it a lot harder for us to be saved. He could have made it a lot more difficult, but that is not what he did. If you look back at our text, Ephesians 4.32, look at what it says at the end. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The example that you and I are to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving is right there. If God was willing to lay down his life for you, what could he expect from you that would ever compare to that? Again, we're trying to get to a proper motivation for you and I to live right this year. 
So let's look at our verses again, Ephesians 4.32, and then we're going to go into verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians chapter 5. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Then verse 1 of Ephesians 5. Be ye therefore, okay, because of what I just stated to you, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So when he says that you are to be a follower of God, I want you to look at another passage that I love, probably some of my favorite, some of my favorite verses here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. It says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also, also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. And then it goes on. By the way, those next verses are really good, so read through them. Some other time, but followers, you are to be an imitator of your Savior. That's what he's talking about. Think of a child imitating their parents. Right? You see, you see a child, and they're often just like their parent. Um, my parents are crazy. My, my children are crazy because their dad is crazy. Okay, it just makes sense. But you see some children, and it's like they're a spitting image of their dad or their mom and everything they do, the little mannerisms that they do, the kid does. Why? They are imitating their father. They're looking at him and they're saying, okay, that's who I want to be and I'm going to do everything that he does. My, I remember my dad one time asking me, hey, Dan, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I want to work at an RV place and I want to do everything you do. And my dad said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can do so much more than what I've done, is what my dad said. But here's the thing. We want to imitate those who we're closest to. A child imitates their father because that's the example that they have. Why do some children say absolutely filthy words when they're four or five? Because that's what they hear from their parents. Okay? Why do some kids behave themselves and do other things? Because, well, they see their mom and dad, but also their mom and dad are correcting behavior, but that's beside the point. Followers. When he says we are followers of God in verse 1, I want you to think of the word imitator. You are imitating your father. Now, we cannot fully do that everything God has done, right? I am not omnipotent. I am not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent. But there are some things that you and I are to imitate him in. Love. Right? Holiness. Be be holy, for I am holy. Okay, there's a lot of different things that God says, hey, I want you to do, because that's who I am. So when you look at our verse, verse number one of Ephesians chapter five again, be therefore followers of God. Look at even what he says, as dear children. He's using that as the example. As a child follows their father, that's what you are to do. You are to follow your God. Do what he has done. So as you study scripture and you look at the example of your Savior through the Gospels, there should be an element of, okay, he did this in this situation. That's how I should respond in that situation. When he was rejected, did he get super mad and kind of like just freak out? No. He continued to show love and compassion, but shared the truth. See, there can be a balance. There were times that Jesus went absolutely nuts on people's heads, right? The throwing of the money, the, the tables, right, in the temple. 
He, there are times I'm like, whoa, that's intense. There were times that he was intense, but what was he doing? He was trying to teach them a lesson. He's trying to teach them truth. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Imitate your Savior. Look at verse number 2 of Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Be therefore followers of God as your children, and walk in love. Remember, earlier, he was stating all these different things that are really the works of the flesh, and you are to put away these things and put on these things. And he says, Now walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. When you think of walking in love, the powerful example is that your Savior loved you. I don't know when you got saved, but there was probably a time that you did some things that were pretty bad. That you would be ashamed of saying in this church tonight. If your God loved you enough to send forth his son, I think we can walk in love. If I'm to be an imitator of him, man, me walking in love as he loved me and gave himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God, that's awful powerful. But here's the truth I want to leave you with tonight. Are you and I willing to do the same for others? Because here's a powerful verse, and a verse we don't think about very often in this context. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Oh, snap. Do you understand what he's saying here? Hereby perceive we, we understand the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, And we ought to do the same for others. But, but, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. A proper perspective of how I should treat other people, how I should respond when I am mistreated, is to look at my Savior and go, okay, if you are willing to do that, I am willing to do whatever you want me to do for them. I'm going to show you love. I'm going to show you compassion. I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to show you the love of Christ, even if you don't want it. Because that's what God has called me to do. Church, I don't know about you, but this passage is awful challenging to me. Because I see some things in here that I'm like, man, I really struggle with. And surely it cannot be that simple, but the word of God here is very simple. You are to put away, like, your dirty clothes, Put it off. I have some clothes that are absolutely disgusting. You know that? Not everything is this. Um, I had an issue with my brakes, and brake fluid was coming out of parts that shouldn't have come out, and I was working on it. And I got brake fluid all over me, and it was gross, and it's nasty. I've got clothes that are absolutely disgusting. And you know what I did when I was done? I put it off. I didn't go around and be like, oh, I'm going to sit on the couch. (laughs) I put it off. I'm not going to go to church in my nasty, disgusting clothes, which are still nasty and disgusting. I haven't washed them yet, but that's beside the point. I was helping out with somebody else, and it's in my office. Long story. So I put it off. 
And just like if I showed up tonight in my nasty clothes that are all, I got paint on these pants, I've got brake fluid on, my, on these pants, I got brake dust on these pants, it's absolutely disgusting. I didn't wear that to church tonight. Why? Because I put it off. And earlier I heard you all laugh. But here's the truth. We know we are to do that with our clothes. But, uh-oh, you know where I'm going. There are some nasty habits that we have been doing for a long time and nasty attitudes that we've had for a long time and things we know God does not want us to do. And God says, just like how you take off your nasty clothes, you are to put this off too. And you're to take a shower, get cleaned, get cleaned by his word, and you live your life the way God wants you to. And when you get dirty again, which will happen, you take that off and you wash it again. That's what God expects. So often, I don't know why, but in our minds, we know this to be true in the physical. But for some reason, it doesn't connect to the spiritual. For some reason, we're okay with living our life contrary to what God wants us to do. But God is very clear in this passage in Ephesians 4 that there are things, very real things, that you are to put away, and you're not to put them on. I don't know about you, but some of us tonight need to do some very real business with God. And we need to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, God. There are things that I am doing that go contrary to your word, and they are not what you want me to do. And God, tonight, I'm putting it off. God, tonight, I want to memorize verses about that topic. And I'm going to start putting my, my real faith into practice because, man, the motivation is very real. The motivation is, look at what God did for me. And if he was willing to do that, man, I could put away anything. I could have real victory. I'm going to add this to at the end here, but some of us have real struggles with things that are addictive. <laughs> and it may not be drugs. It may not be alcohol. It may not be something that we would be like, man, that's terrible. It may be something else. Maybe you're addicted to your phone and you need to get off of it. Do you know we have a place that can help you with that? Called Harvest Recovery. It meets on Friday, two days. They'll meet right here at Harvest. And you can get very real help. Why? Because it's not about you and your willpower. Aren't you glad about that? My willpower stinks. I like go on a diet every five days and then I like absolutely fail at it like two seconds later. I have chocolate. I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat the whole bag. It's great. You know why are you as successful? Because it's based on the one thing that can really make a change. How are you going to be successful putting away some things? Because you memorize this. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hey, I'm going to memorize some verses about these things. And tonight, maybe you need to commit to that. And maybe you say, you know what? I don't know what verses to memorize. We can help. Do you realize that? That's kind of why the church staff is here. I want everybody to stand, every eye to be closed tonight, and I want you to do very real business with God tonight.